0: Hi friends, welcome to Co-parenting Past Chaos, a podcast about marriage, divorce, and the crazy adventures of co-parenting with your hosts,
1: April and Lauren. Join us each week as the wife and former wife of the same man discuss a topic straight from their personal experiences of what it takes to forge and maintain a positive co-parenting relationship while collectively co-parenting 6 children.
0: Welcome to episode 62. This week we survived a hurricane. Can I just say that the hurricane did not even phase me?
1: No, sadly. I mean, I think that's what happens when you get a hurricane in a pandemic. I know. Like, I barely prepared. Like, really? This is it. However, we did lose power for like two and a half days. Yeah.
0: And I would have slept through it, I think. However, this crazy dog that I have, being the psycho he is, turns our bed into a cheap hotel vibrating bed because he shakes <gasps> like oh, a leaf. Bless.
1: I actually did sleep through it. And so did all the boys. Oh, I would have. It would
0: have been fi- And the power kept going on and off on it. Yeah, off. that was so that was mm-hmm. like a little annoying. But I don't think much can phase us right now after everything else that we're going through. There's so many crazy things going on in the world. Another hurricane is nothing compared to the turd show that's currently happening that's in our true. lives. But every hurricane reminds me of our past co-parenting experience. It does me too. We had a lot happen surrounding Hurricanes and I think the first one was our first little altercation. It was. And then was that our that was the same time that I woke up to a porta potty being in my yard. Yes, and you thought it was me I did. <laughs> they dumped it.
1: And I'm like <laughs> First of all, that like, would have been impressive, oh, but I tend to leave um, like lawn care things instead, aka the watering can. Yeah, but she, um, I was like, she's strong; she picked up a it, whole porta potty. And I was like, why would she? Why would she care if I did? And then I come to find out, I think months later, that you have like this phobia I'm a, of porta potties. Of porta potties, which is funny. Now, so now, now you're you gonna find put, one. Mm-hmm. Now you know. It's now me. I know it's from you. <laughs> I know it's from you.
0: So if there's one thing that we get constantly from people, it's shock. That we're actually friends. This week, we had a few things posted on our Facebook and Instagram talking about how we are such a good team and we co-parent so well mm-hmm. together. First, we promise that's true. But I've seen one of those posts that had been shared by someone. And there was a comment from a beautiful young lady that apparently works with my daughter my oldest Mm. daughter, she was just reiterating that she knows us and we're actually friends and do everything together. So (laughs) thank you for that. She's seen it in real life. But I say all of this to make a point that we have been through so much together, Lauren and I, Mm -hmm. and things that normal friends probably shouldn't ever go through nor will they ever go through it seems like the last few months like i don't know what it's been our
1: friendship has been tested it's been tested and not by each of us no it's
0: like the devil yes. has really been hard at work trying to destroy what we work so so hard for Let me just say that, number one, God's my homeboy,
1: and read the room, Carol. Yeah. Nobody will break us. No. I mean, it really – and honestly, sometimes it just makes us stronger. It does. So if you're trying to break us, you're failing. Bring it on because of – Yeah, it's backfiring for you. It's very much backfiring.
0: I love that, though, when I talk to people and they're like, well, is this really real? Yes, it's real. Why would I fake this? I'm
1: not even a good actress. So – No, and I mean, you you could tell whenever we were trying to just have like a civil relationship. Oh, of yeah. friendship it felt forced i mean it was a definite you you would notice in, in our personalities and who we are so this however is completely polar opposite to that we've come so far and i think i told you the things that we've been through in our friendship are why we are as cl- the yes. rival that we had is why we are actually so close
0: we truly are a team like uh, on so many levels not just parenting but a,
1: a lot of other things we've seen the good bad Evil, nasty, beautiful, miracle, blessing. All of those we've seen and witnessed together for the last three and a half years. I think
0: we know so much about each other because we don't keep secrets and we don't hold back. No, we don't. And you know that like lying is my one pet peeve. Didn't you say on a whiskey Wednesday? That's yeah. mine. Don't tell yep. me a lie because yep. then it's just so I'm... hard. If you don't have trust in your friendship and mm-hmm. any relationship, it's just not going to work. So that was my soapbox. Anyway last week we discussed being a successful mother or unsuccessful whatever single mom but after talking about it on our podcast and in our blog i really do think we did rather well given the circumstances i think we did because we were dealt a pretty crappy hand yeah we were and you know what they're still alive so we did something good (laughs) stay tuned though yeah uh, yeah hold on they're not all grown yet This week, we're talking about the five steps we think are important in order to stay out of court. And we don't mean stay out of court like for traffic tickets. No, because I can't give you advice on that. Lauren can't do that. I'm in there every month. She's always in there. We're talking about custody battles. And I think, do you feel this way that sometimes people think that just because you have a divorce and children that you automatically have to have this drawn out custody battle that's
1: horrible i think it's like preconceived i yeah. do too and i think sometimes that's why people avoid getting a divorce and yes. ending the marriage is because they're like oh well we know we have to do this and we're never gonna see our kids again like most you know
0: yeah because typically the mom takes the kids and has full custody and the dad gets the weekends that's how it was when i was growing right. up and you too because mm-hmm. we've talked that is, about it's that exactly the world has changed it's slowly changing and Fathers are getting more rights. But I think there's a lot of men that stay in marriages so that they won't, or women that are married to wealthier men that know they can take their children. That's true. Cause it just depends on how good of an attorney you have. That is true. And it's just sad. Mm-hmm. It's it's not necessarily about who's the better parent, because I mean, you know, here's what I think. And I know that that it's all circumstantial and every situation is different, but at one time you thought that that person was good enough to make a baby with. So yes. now all of a sudden, why aren't they good enough to raise your child? Mm-hmm. I, that, I don't know, just doesn't click with me. From friend to foe is how you, it becomes. Oh, yes, yeah, absolutely, 100%. I remember in my divorces that... Come that on, was, it's only two. Give only yourself some two. credit. But it was never an issue for the co-parenting situation or the custody. We never had a battle. Jerry and I both agreed... And Roy and I both agreed that this is how it's gonna be. They knew, I guess, that I knew they were good dads. They knew I was a good mom. We weren't trying to take that from each other. Just because we didn't like each other as husband and wife doesn't mean that we don't trust each other as a parent. So I'm really grateful for that. But for our case, for my case, you and John, that was just a different story. And it's kind
1: of weird because John and I, you know, we filed twice. We were supposed to already be divorced, and then um, he decided he well i say he decided we both decided hey we're gonna work this out let's cancel that attorney let's throw our court case out and when we had done that court case it was not contested we had worked everything out we had everything ironed out a custody agreement everything was buttoned up all i had to do was make an appearance to court and then he said no i think we should work on our marriage and so that's what we tried and then two months later things did not go as I thought they were gonna go and I think he threw that court case and he wanted me to get out of that court because he realized he was kind of losing out in it yeah and so he when he realized he could put up a fight because there was you know a fight to be had I suppose he was gonna do that and it did it beca- it became like we were enemies and and that's sad I it made me sad because my thinking the whole time was don't you remember me? Like, don't you remember me at
0: all? I remember saying that to him so, so, so often. Remember the time that... You, and I think I said it to you. Remember mm-hmm. the time that you two were in love? Oh, Nope. Nope. Can't do that. Because you, you're you so clouded with anger, I think, during those times. And I don't
1: know why. Like, John had already moved on. He was happy. He was... He didn't have to move far. Nope. He was <laughs> next, next door. <laughs> you know, he had a good life, really. And I just wanted to get out of the situation. And I... I I don't know if moving away was right or wrong after our divorce. I think a lot of women probably would have done that, but who am I to say? I think a lot of John's was he wanted me to kind of, I think, just be quiet and go away quietly, and so putting up a big fight was the way to do that, you know? And he probably would have been successful because he had an amazing attorney that definitely tore me to pieces, (laughs) for sure. Yeah, I mean, she ripped me a new one inside and out. However... I have, you know, a little bit of you got fight, fight in me. In I got a little bit of spunk in me. <gasps> so I stuck around regardless. And, um, you know, you wa- wave your white flag when you need to. Know when to pick and choose your battles, just like in a marriage, just like when you're raising kids. Know yeah. when to pick and choose your battles. And you know what? You can do those outside of court. You really can. You can. And that's what we talked about in our
0: blog. We had five steps. The first one being let go. Let go of the past. Mm-hmm. Don't bring that stuff into your custody battle, because I think that's a lot of it for you and John was just past. I agree. And anger. I agree. And let's see what we can do to get back at the other. Mm -hmm. So let it go.
1: We always, we should have just let it go. When the divorce or the marriage ended, everything else should have ended. Right. But it doesn't. doesn't. So Uh the second one is trust. And that's, when,
0: even when we wrote this, I'm thinking, you know, that's kind of silly to say, hey, trust your ex, the person that you're
1: divorcing. But you kind of do have to trust them as a parent. You have to. And I know it sucks. It does. And you may not be able to.
0: Yeah, because there certain circumstances.
1: To. Yes. However, if you know they're a good parent. But if parent, you try, don't trust them as you did when you were you know, married to them because maybe you didn't have trust in your marriage. Try a new level of trust. Trust them as a parent. Trust that your child is going to be safe. You know, John wasn't going to do everything I was going to do or the way I wanted it to be done. But were my kids going to be okay? Were they going to be safe and loved? Yes. So I could at least trust that. Right.
0: The third one is compromise. And that's a hard one. Ew, I hate that word. (laughs) When you're angry, you don't want to
1: compromise. I don't want to give them anything because I'm mad at them. That's a hard one, but you can make so much groundwork. When you do, yes. If you're the person that makes the first move, and I kn- and I know nobody wants to be—I no. don't want to be—but if you do, I promise you will see a small little inch of movement from that other person, and then the other person can maybe compromise, and just it does grow. The next one is
0: understanding that nobody wins. There's mm. truly not a winner. If mm. there were, you'd still be married, and you both would be raising your kids together. That's, That's a win. That's true you don't win in a custody battle. Somebody has to be the loser. Even if you have a shared 50-50 custody, you're still missing out on things that your kids are doing when you're not around. It just stinks. And you just have to understand that.
1: I think that instead of looking at it like one parent is going to be a winner or loser, you should both look at it like, how do we make our children winners in this? Yeah. How do we make them a winner and not a loser. Because that's one thing we can both actually do and accomplish.
0: Because looking out for the kids, that should be your number one priority. Yes. Knowing that, you know what, sometimes let's listen to them. No, we don't let our kids make the rules and they don't get to do whatever they want. What I mean is, hey, that kid loves his dad. That kid loves his mom or her mom or her dad. Don't take that away from them. They didn't them. ask for this. Yeah. So why why are we going to pick hairs and oh, you know, you have them one more hour and I've got It's just ridiculous. Looking
1: back, so ridiculous. And you know what? You chose their father or you chose their mother. Mm-hmm. Okay? Remember that. So, the person that they call mommy and that they love or the person they call dad and they look up to, you did that choosing. So don't hate that other person, and don't make them hate that other person when you made that choice. No, not
0: at all. The last one we talked about was mediation. Before Mm. you go to an attorney, you should always try. Well, I mean, I think sometimes you have to go through an attorney for mediation, depending on the state that you live in or the county, whichever. But mediation is a much cheaper alley to go down than than the latter, which is hiring an attorney. Also, you can do it yourself.
1: Yes, I think that's a great thing to highlight. If you if you can't do it yourself without attorneys, but you're trying to not have an attorney, try mediation. Yeah, that's kind of like a middle ground. Yeah, that's just somebody that's that's unbiased. They'll tell you all the rules. They'll tell you all the laws. They'll tell you what you probably need to have set up in your custody agreement, or or whatnot. What to expect if you were to go to court. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like a little class almost. I mean, they don't really have some places do, I guess, have divorce. But it's very helpful. And for
0: our situation, you know, and we've talked about this on previous podcast going through the almost three year long custody battle that we did at the very end thinking you know what this is this is just ridiculous mm-hmm. we can do this on our own mm-hmm. we have we're competent individuals we're if we can just put our differences aside and be adults and look at what's most important which is our children and their happiness and well-being so i did reach out to lauren and said hey look at this this is what we're proposing because yes you know, her and John didn't really speak, which is nothing new because they don't, still don't have a lot of <laughs> speaking now. But here's what we're proposing. And let's see what you think. And she writes back. OK,
1: I like this. I don't like this. I like this. I don't like this. And it just went. I mean, and it took us you know a few what? weeks. It did. But it was the most productive thing that we've ever had because I could finally seize things from your side. Yes. And then you could see what I was asking for on my side in like, I think we did it purple and black. We, yeah. Like we swapped yeah. colors. And every time I would receive it back, they would have compromised on something. And so I would compromise when I sent something back. And we did that for And I remember a sitting
0: here with John. We were sitting right there on the couch and I said... She's offering this. Nope, I don't want that. I want this. Okay, but look, she gave up this. So now you've got to give up something to build a little trust. Mm -hmm. Show her that you're willing to compromise. Oh, yeah. And it stinks because, you know, everybody wants their own way. Mm -hmm. They've got to be in charge. Well, sometimes you just don't need to be in charge. Sometimes you just it's gotta true. say, you know, here we go. We're doing this and that's how it's going to be. And think about this, I say this so many times and I always feel bad, but I shouldn't. You get a break. Sometimes you just <gasps> need a break. Oh, that is Think about a now, if you would have Okay, let's do this. Okay, Carol. Okay, Carol, here we go. If you would have gotten full custody of the kids and moved away and John got like every other weekend or some holidays. Misery. Yeah, to be <laughs> honest, I I really look forward to Sunday. Right? That I My exchanges and in the beginning, (laughs) when John had the kids constantly, yes, I was like, "Whoa, I love these kids." But you know what I love? I love silence sometimes.
1: It's actually very nice. Yeah,
0: I because my kids are grown. I'm in a different place
1: in my parenting world than John is. I'm never going to condone divorce. No, I'm never going to condone it. However, if you a divorce nine times out of ten the first thing and the first thing you should do and that you're going to do is find yourself right yep you're gonna find your freedom well if you are a full-time parent you're still not really able to do that so when you do have a custody arrangement that you're more flexible with or you're more open with it allows you to be that person that you sought to be after your divorce I have never felt more whole than I do now and I mm-hmm. get those little breaks I get to be Lauren. For a week, which yeah. makes me an even better mom. Oh, absolutely! When it's my mom week, and absolutely. that is what's important.
0: And I think that in the back of my mind, I'm like, you know, there's somebody listening right now that's thinking, okay, well, yeah, it would be great if we lived across the street from each other. Like you guys, that would be perfect. We haven't always lived across the street from each other. We did this arrangement when you lived in a different school
1: district than yes. the kids. I lived on the two different of town. times, mm-hmm. so it's it can work. No matter how you do it, but we had. That one summer where I was living in Atlanta. Yes. And so here. Obviously, that wasn't the easiest travel time, but it was still nice having those. I think we did two weeks and two weeks Mm -hmm. off. And that was kind of nice. Yes. We got onto a routine of some sort and it was really nice for the boys. And when your homes are set up in both loving environments and not hostile, the kids won't have as difficult of a transition when they jump. Because I think a lot of people ask me that, you know, well, they see you guys every other week or you get them one week in the next. How are the how is their behavior when they come back from their dads or how is their behavior? It's honestly, they're horrible all the time. <laughs> so I can tell you it doesn't, it doesn't change. change. But I can tell you from my experience that we
0: did Jerry and I a weekend. They because they, my girls were in school during this particular time and they spent the entire week with me at school and every weekend they went with their dad and their behavior was terrible when they would come home. Because the homes were different. The homes were so different, and mm-hmm. Jerry and I got along, but we just parented very differently. And I think he was trying to make up, probably for the time that he was lacking with the girls. So it was like, "Her, let's go to dad's this weekend, and we have all the candy, all the sodas, all the fast food, all the movies. Stay up as late as you want." And then when they came home, it was like, "Ugh, now we got to go back."
1: Oh, see, it mom's. really it really stinks for my boys because it stinks that their mom and their stepmom <laughs> are best friends. Because while we are very different women. We are very much on the exact same page oh, with yes. parenting. They will not get away with anything. No, not at all. Nothing.
0: And that's so, how it should be. Oh, that you, sucks for
1: them. Ha! Sorry. <laughs> it doesn't suck for us, though. But
0: it's how it should be. You guys should always, all parents, whether you're married or not, should always be. Yep.
1: I don't on even question parent. it. If you tell me that they did something and I have to take something away because you guys, it's carrying over punishment, say less. You don't even have to explain say less. Yeah. We re- we're doing it now.
0: But I know there was a time where that wasn't the case. Yes. And it was so and, and we paid for that in their behavior. We did. All we of did. Us. Did. all
1: So if you we all suffered,
0: want that to go away, then compromise and co-parent positively.
1: I promise it will make a difference in your child's the attitude. Kids
0: are going to be better. Yes. <laughs>
1: They're not going to be nasty
0: all the time. Just, just sometimes. Time. Yeah. So to help us discuss this topic, we have a very special guest. Mr. Renee Bauer is an award winning divorce attorney, published author and founder of The family law firm Bauer Law Group. With almost two decades of experience, Renee is committed to empowering all women to redefine their sense of peace and purpose in their new life. She's certified as a guardian of Lydum collaborative attorney and mediator. Renee's insights are sought after by local and regional media outlets, podcasts, and conferences where she speaks on co-parenting, blended family dynamics, relationships, and the art of reinvention. As an accomplished litigator, she boldly educates and inspires women to reclaim their right to happiness. In addition to being a family law attorney, Renee is also host of the Happy Even After podcast. Welcome Renee Bauer to our show. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Before we get started, can you give us a little insight into your background and why you just started to start the Happy Even After podcast?
2: Sure. So um, I'm a divorce attorney, and I've been practicing for almost 20 years now. And I'm also divorced myself. Um, and I noticed that um, we weren't really talking. So women weren't talking and sharing their stories. And I was always so personal, and I always kept my story to myself. So even though I worked in the professional space, and I was a divorce lawyer, I was not sharing my own story. And then I actually went on a friend's podcast. And she started asking me really hard questions. And I started answering them. And that's, when um I started sharing my story and had other women reach out to be like, oh, my God, me too. Like, I sat in the shame. It was so hard. I felt so alone. And that's when I realized, I'm like, you know what? We need to start talking. We need to start having these stories. And that was the inspiration for my podcast, were bringing people together to share not their stories of... We hate our exes, but really the stories of how they made it through the other end and how they're thriving now and um, inspiring stories. Because usually when you go in through a divorce, like you're not in a good place. And it's so that they're sharing other stories to show that there is a light at the end of the tunnel.
0: That's amazing. That's exactly what we say. (laughs) Will you tell us when looking on your website, you have something called the D course. Can you
2: explain that a little
0: bit to our (laughs) listeners?
2: yeah so the um, as a divorce lawyer when people come to me they often have so many questions and sometimes what happens is they have expectations already set up so they've talked to a friend's uncle's cousin who told them this is what was going to happen um, or they googled divorce and googled what they're expected to get out of it and they were coming to their lawyer and you know when it was me sometimes it was within a nearly impossible expectation Expectations of what they were trying to fulfill. And often the work that I do with clients is. Um, with mindset and really helping them beyond just the legal world. So this job as a divorce lawyer is more than just telling them what the law is, but it's really helping them to get to another place. And so I decided to create this course that really addressed all of these things, teaching people like you have a choice. You don't have to litigate. You can mediate. You can um, go down the collaborative process. You know, let's talk about parenting plans and what options you have and what they could look like. Or let's talk about whether alimony is even appropriate in your case and let's run you through a, a test that I came up with, a framework to show whether your ask for alimony is something that's worth doing or or not. And, and then even talking about dating after divorce. So kind of giving someone a, a roadmap of what their divorce is, and which potentially could save them a lot of money because often clients are calling their lawyers looking for this information and, and um, if they can get ahead of that and kind of go into the process already with a framework of what to expect then they're that much better off
1: I wish I would have found you for my (laughs) divorce divorce again just so I can take all of these classes (laughs) and learn something I was gonna ask her I might still do it how far back is there like a statute
0: of limitations on alimony (laughs) (laughs) can I start over again yes I I divorced him twice okay you're also a family law attorney. Like you mentioned, what was your desire behind becoming a family law attorney?
2: Um, I didn't want to be a lawyer at all. I wanted, (laughs) I wanted to be a lobbyist and I wanted to work in Washington and work in politics. And, um, right before I decided to enroll in grad school to get a degree in public policy, I decided to go to law school because I felt like it was just a, it would, I could do more with it. And so when I was in law school, I did an internship and I'm like, oh, I really like this. Um, And I, politics, you know, it was, it was something that now that I look at it, um, I'd probably be like chewed up and spit out. And so I fell into family law working for uh, another firm that mostly did criminal defense. And when they didn't want family law cases, they would usually punt them to me. And um, I found that it was just a place where I could really help people and help them through a really dark time. And it's usually like the criminal law, you see people at their potentially bad people at their very best and on their best behavior. And in divorce, you see, you know, people on their really worst behavior. And it was, um, I was able to just in that work, it was really satisfying just to help people kind of get out the other side and just have a sense of hope for their future again.
1: I don't know what you're talking about. I was the best. During I'm sure. <laughs> I was well, the best. Um, okay. She was there, but she doesn't remember it. It's okay.
0: <laughs> it's so interesting to hear you say that, though, that you, as an attorney, you don't hear that No, often, you don't. That you actually want to help people instead of just take all the money because there's a lot yeah. of money in family law.
2: Yeah. You know, yeah. We know. We spent it all. <laughs> I know. And it's such a shame because there are lawyers who are doing really good work out there. And there's, you know, there's a lot of lawyers who really have that frame of mind that they want to help the family and not just bleed them dry. Um, And then you have, you know, and I think those lawyers all have more of like a mediation background and approach and a collaborative approach. And they really want to get you to the other side. And then you do have other lawyers who certainly just want to drive towards litigation and drive up costs. And they're, they're looking at it from more of like, They're, they're doing a job and there's legal decisions that have to be made and they will, they're removing the emotion from it and removing those conversations about mindset and really holistically looking at the client saying, you know, my job is to help this person get through this thing completely as a whole person. And so that they can do better in their future. And, and they're compartmentalizing it. Like their job is, you know, just to, to go to, to fight to go to court, and that's it. And they sort of wipe their hands clean and kind of move on. So there's definitely different mindsets. And people spend a lot of money, unfortunately, if they make the wrong decision and hire the wrong lawyer. I was just going to say, are there red flags
1: that people should look for when they're looking to hire an attorney, one that might only be out for the money versus someone that's genuinely there to help?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. So I always tell people, um, make sure you're retaining someone who specializes in family law. And a lot of states, the ethics committee won't allow you to say you specialize, but make sure they're really working in that space for a majority of their practice, because that's that those are going to be the people who are um who are going to be responsive and, and really try to move your cases along kind of the Jack of all trades lawyers. Um, usually the cases that don't get the attention are the family ones because they don't want to do them in the first place. So they're not going to respond. Um, I always tell people to ask the question of what, what is your communication style like? Like for me, you know, I'm someone who communicates. And so if you want someone who's going to re- um, email you and respond and, and y- answer your phone calls, then, you know, that's, that's the type of lawyer that I am. But not everyone wants or needs that. But, um, it's a really good question because I think that one of the complaints that people have against lawyers uh, is the lack of communication. And you'll see these complaints that, you know, I reached out to my lawyer a week ago and they never responded. And that's not acceptable. Like that should never happen. Even, uh, uh, hey, I got your phone call and I'm busy. I'll call you tomorrow at this time. Um, Is a response, but just ignoring it is never appropriate. So that's a big red flag. Um, So how much they practice in the family law system, um, what their communication style is, um, and then just your gut, you know, do you connect with them? Is it someone that you think that you can work with? Does it feel do you feel heard? Are they listening to you or are they kind of glazing over? You know, it's kind of like a gut instinct. How do you feel about this person? It's like dating. Yeah. It is.
1: I loved my attorney, to be honest. Everything that you just said, he checked off, even though I lost. But still.
2: um, (laughs) Everyone loses.
1: (laughs) He was amazing. And even now, it's been three and a half years. I still communicate with him. And it's not even about anything to do with our cases. Just as a person and a friend and referrals, I send him people.
2: Yeah, and so there are really good attorneys who are good people out there doing this work for the right reasons. Right. We just need more of that.
1: Yeah, we do,
0: especially <laughs> here. Is it hard sometimes to separate your emotions when you're trying a case in family court?
2: Yeah, you know, it it is in this type of work because it is it is so emotional. You know, the The clients have emotion. Often you're dealing with children and their needs, and it's hard to sometimes step back and just, you know, it, it's like civil litigation. It's easy. It's easy to say, I'm doing a job and that's it because it doesn't impact anything else. But when decisions have to be made about kids, and it, it's often really important decisions, it's impossible not to be a little bit invested in it, and especially when um, you know something should happen a certain way and it doesn't. Because every lawyer loses cases that they should have won, or they win cases that they should have lost. You know that happens too, where you win a case and you're like, oh, like that probably shouldn't have gone down that way. And, and, you know, so yeah, I think that if you're a human being, it's impossible to not be a little bit invested in it. The more you do. This work, the the easier it is to come home and kind of leave it at, at the office. But especially when you're trying a case and you're sort of in the the arena of that work, um, it becomes a very an emotional job. Just because you're you're I know speaking from experience, like how I am, and I think a lot of lawyers are like this. You become passionate about it, and you, and you want to do a good job, and you want to see a good result. That would probably be something that
0: would be extremely difficult for myself. Just thinking back on our case, yeah. knowing that as an attorney, your job is to win a case for your right. client, even though it goes against something that maybe you believe, mm-hmm. believe in or necessarily you don't agree with, that would just be so difficult. Are you able, not in detail, but to discuss maybe a difficult custody case that you have
2: tried? Yeah, you know, I think any of the custody cases become really difficult. So, sometimes there's a situation where um uh, you know, I always advocate for people trying to settle their cases and I think that that's a good example of something that should never have gone to trial and people decide to litigate anyway. So, um I do a lot of work with clients really trying to get them to the point where they can reach an agreement because an agreement is going to be far better than anything a judge comes down with or decides to order because the judge doesn't know you. They don't know your kids. They have no idea about anything they get. You know, there's a judge in Connecticut who starts every trial with a piece of paper and he's like, this is your story. And then he folds it in half and says, this is the story that you've told your lawyer and then folds it again and says, this is how much your lawyer retained and folds it again and keeps folding it until it's like this little square and says, this is how much information I'm going to actually receive and what I'm going to make a decision based on, you know, so you have that
1: terrifying.
2: Yeah, I mean, and that was kind of that last ditch effort. Hey, guys, like, try to settle this, because no one is going to know your children better than you. Mm -hmm. And so anytime I start a custody case, I always feel like we've gotten to that point where, you know, there probably was still hope and someone was being stubborn, and that case should not, proceeded the way it did. And unfortunately, you know, there we are. So, um, and I, you know, any, any trial means that, that the lawyers have failed the clients every step of the way because we weren't able to help them get to that point. Wow. That is extremely
1: interesting. So you're saying our attorneys (laughs) failed.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, listen, I'm a litigator. It happens like you, you end up in trial, but. It's, you know, you always just you always want as a lawyer to to not get to that point, because at the end of a trial, there's you know, you can't guarantee an outcome. But I can almost guarantee that no matter what happens, what what the decision is, the client is going to be unhappy about some part of it. You know that's a guarantee, and that's going to be kind of like the client's going to feel a little icky at the end of that, and a little upset, and thinks maybe something should have went a different way, and now it becomes the lawyer's fault that it didn't. They didn't so-called win if there and is such thing keep as a win. Fighting and going back, and right? Right.
1: Ultimately, if you don't feel like you won, you're going to keep trying.
2: Absolutely.
0: I can remember Lauren and I both wrote this in one of our very first blogs that. We're standing. One of the most terrifying things about our case was that we're standing in front of this judge that knows nothing about us or our children, and they're making a decision that's going to be life altering. Mm -hmm. And and the parents are the ones that know what these children need and what's best for them. They should be able to come together no matter what and make. The best decision,
1: and honestly, right. it wasn't our attorneys ultimately that got yes. us to that place. It was we, us. yeah, we, we got sucked dry, and we, I think we finally started to catch on that, you know, we weren't being heard, we weren't being seen in court as right. often as we should have been, and nothing was getting resolved. After two mm-hmm. and a half years, I mean, you got to try something else, right? So. Right. We can
0: all agree that it's hard to make a decision to end your marriage, but once it's done. How do we move on from that anger? I know you talk about this on your website, but if there's one tip that you could give in the healing
2: process to empower women, what would that be? To allow yourself to grieve and give yourself time. And the statistics are staggering about the failed second and third marriages. And usually that's because the person has jumped into something else or they're trying to find um, whatever their spouse was. They're going for the opposite. And they're not just kind of sitting and allowing themselves to go through that healing process. So they can figure out who they are, what they need out of a relationship, and what what did they contribute to the breakdown of their marriage? Because they did contribute something. Everyone has had a role in that and really processing that and understanding that. So when they move on to another relationship, they're not bringing that same Thing to, to that new relationship too.
1: And not bring um, so, the baggage of, well, this man did this to me, so yeah. this next one's going to do it to me too. No, uh-huh. I had to do that a lot. I wanted to sit there and be like, no, I was perfect in my marriage. Well, no, I wasn't. Right. No, it right. wasn't. It takes two to make a marriage work and it takes two to end it.
2: Absolutely, and that's really hard to swallow, though. It is. You know, <laughs> for a woman
0: especially, that is that <laughs> yeah, great period. The sister had a lot of alone time
2: after divorce, <laughs> and that's hard. And you know, and just understanding that it's going to be hard, and that's mm-hmm. okay, and it's okay to like sit there. And you know, in my own divorce, I talk about like every other weekend, I just sobbed. You know, because yes. it was like, oh my god, what did I do? And it was the guilt and the shame and all of that, and that's okay. Like you're allowed to feel all of those things and you don't have to put a band aid over it or like quick fix your emotions.
1: Well, and I think it's important, like you actually are allowing yourself that time now to heal. Where in your marriage, when something went wrong, you don't really have that. You have to still forgive and, and be the wife and figure out a way to make it work. Once you're divorced, all that healing, all those emotions that you felt. Now you have the freedom and the time to deal with them. And if it takes 6 years to cry about it, you've got that right. time. Yes. Yeah. All right, let's talk about the embarrassment that comes from divorce. How do we
0: combat yeah. that, especially I mean, you know, as a woman How many times been divorced twice. It's me not. too. Yeah. Me too. And <laughs> I'm going to be married to the same man forever. Well, if I would have taken time to pick the right one, possibly that could happen. But yeah. I feel like such a stigma is placed on me that people look at me and they're like, Oh, she looks like a very decent woman. You know, I have the nice car and the nice home and the, I dress nice most days. Then I've got this thing where, oh,
2: wait, she's been divorced two times and you, married times.
0: It makes you human. But it's really
2: embarrassing. Yeah. It truly I, is. I, I hear you because I have the same story. I'm divorced twice and married a third time. And you know what? I think the best thing to do is talk about it, is doing exactly what you're doing and sharing our stories because you're not going to be for everyone. You know, there's going to be people out there who are going to judge you no matter what. Don't me. You want everyone there- <laughs> to remember, Yeah. But go ahead. I mean, look at you guys are awesome. Your Instagram is awesome. Your photos are are amazing. And you think that there's not going to be someone out there who's judging you? Of course they are. But who cares? You know. And it's finding your people who are going to support you and kind of like owning it. And being like, you know what? Yeah, that's my story. And I'm where I am now because of that. Because all of those things that I went through taught me something about myself. And and it's just, it's my story. It's just like, those were just moments in time. Honestly, I think you being married three times actually
1: has opened me up to the idea of marriage a third time. Because <sighs> I didn't want that stigma. I've been divorced <laughs> twice, same age yeah. as you. And I'm like, okay, if she can do it and own it and is in a healthy relationship, why can't I? I guess it's yeah. just a and, club. Yeah. <laughs> we <We're> getting jackets. <laughs> We're getting jackets it's just very hard. <laughs> you,
0: you know, it's just because I think that in sharing my story, I feel so empowered and I want to give other women the strength to do the same thing. But when I hear someone saying, well... You know, just the nasty things that they say about it. Mm -hmm. It's just difficult. It really is. And I don't want other women to feel defeated when they want to enter into another relationship. And open up about it.
2: Yeah. I mean, I get that too. And then, you know, as a divorce lawyer, I get the, you know, the, the follow-up questions that go along with that. Um, and it's kind of like, are you stupid? <laughs> like, <laughs> I, know, but I, don't, I don't know if I trust
0: your
1: judgment anymore. I, right. Right. Be the expert. But She's, that's what I think. <laughs> I would hire you just because I'm like, Oh, I have a friend that been through
0: yeah. this. And I, you know, when you're in more of a, like with you being an attorney, when you're in a position of, you know, more powerful or success. I have a friend like that. And she's like, no one's going to take me seriously. I've been married three times. And I'm
1: like, but guess what? You have lots of experience. And now you know all yeah. the things not to do. People go to you because you're an OG mom. You've I been a am. mom since you were 14. I would go to you before I went to me mm. any day I'm parenting. So I don't know about that. But. I would. Well, I mean, now you're raising my children. So good luck. <laughs> <laughs> That's as
2: amazing. A, as an
0: attorney, <laughs> the things that you see, what do you think is the biggest reason for parents that have volatile relationships when they're attempting to positively co-parent?
2: Yeah, that that's a really good question. So, I think I think one of the things is they have held on to their anger and resentment towards the other parent and they have not healed to the point where they can let it go. So bringing up the past, you know, is, is a usually good sign that, that that's going on. And so then it, it sort of penetrates their communication that they have with each other. And, um, their their co-parenting. So I think that that's one of it. You know, there's all kinds of reasons why people have a hard time co-parenting. Sometimes mental illness is a problem. You know, if you have sometimes if there's a domestic violence situation, then you still have the other parent kind of doing like a power play, and you have this bullying uh, scenario. But Usually when you have, like, if you remove all of that and none of that exists and you just have two people who really don't like each other and they got divorced, um, it's communication. And it's the lack of respect, quite frankly. Um, And, you know, what I always say to people is you don't have to show up to every argument that you're invited to. So just because... The, your spouse is picking a fight and you don't have to respond in kind. And so you don't have to respond and be nice, but what you can do is kind of bring it back to neutral and keep it business-like. And if you continuously do that, they're gonna catch on and you're creating the habit of this neutral communication, business-like communication or style. And at some point they're going to stop fighting because they're not getting anything back from you. Oh, I like that. That's yeah, good advice. I that.
1: I'm <laughs> using this always. <laughs> I know. It'll watch, be in my right? third divorce. <laughs> <laughs> so I th- think we've pretty
0: much answered this, but I'll ask it anyway. You do, based on what you've said, think it's possible for families to, s- to stay out of court. Mm-hmm. Maybe peace cooperation can be obtained through just proper communication and better understanding of each other.
2: Yeah. And, you know, do the little things, um, that you would appreciate. So for example, if you go on vacation with your kids, share some pictures from that. Like that goes a huge way and get wanting to, cause you want that too, right? So if you're not with your child and your child's on vacation with the other parent, don't you want to know what they're doing and what's happening in their life? So if they're, if you're sharing pictures, then they're going to start sharing your ex is going to start doing the same thing back. And it's, so it's those, just those little things like that, little communication about like, Hey, um, so-and-so got his grade back in English and here, you know, here's what it is like communicate or if they're young kids, like he didn't sleep well last night, not sure what's going on, but like just the little, the day-to-day stuff and just remove the emotion from it. Um, That would be my advice. And you start that path. And then, I mean, there's a, usually you have to parent for a long time co-parent. And so you want to start that early because it could be a really long 18 years if you have a young kid and you have a lot of conflict. And the, the studies all show that conflict is what causes problems in kids. It's not the divorce.
1: Oh, wow. Ooh.
2: That's interesting. Oh, I yes. Like so your kids are just fine. <laughs> because wow, you, <laughs> should, like, not, stretch <laughs> you
1: not stretch that.
0: All right, so we like to ask all of our guests this question when we have someone on What do you think of our situation? And the way we co-parent. and I'm more interested to hear your answer coming from an attorney's perspective
2: than anything. oh, I love it. I like this is i I love you guys. I love what you're doing. and I think it's absolutely amazing. And anyone who says that they can't co-parent or you know they don't want to be accepting of the stepmom um is, you know, I, I think it's because they're not putting the effort in and so my son last year made his bar mitzvah i'm not jewish my ex is and so we decided this is what he was going to do and we we did this thing and we had this big party and he had so many parents and grandparents and step parents and relatives from all blended families there and it was stress-free and he had the best day and we all just like There wasn't any of that tension or anything like that, and you know I think that that's what matters. It it, it, it's there's no such thing as like the traditional family and it's supposed to look a certain way. Our families are you know they're they're they all they're all mixed up, and but as long as your children feel loved, I think that you're doing something incredible, and I think that that's that's the message. It doesn't matter law, legal, like none of that really matters. And if you guys decide to do something that, you know, take child support, for example, and people will decide to do something different than what the law actually says. Well, who cares? If you guys agree and it's working, then that's something that's great for your family because you've just removed the conflict.
1: There's something very empowering about making your own rules mm -hmm. with your co parent Yeah we don't have a piece of paper or a court telling us what to do anymore we make the we, rules we broke the mold we did <laughs> we and i i like it yeah it's
0: very freeing it is for us it's very it's less stressful for us as the parents and our kids just to see how because the conflict we had in the beginning yes obviously you could see that in not only ourselves but particularly our children. Yeah. Now they're the happiest kids that they're we the have an Oh yeah, you know. they're naughty, but they're happy and they're, they're all
2: naughty. They yeah.
0: don't even know that <laughs> this is not how it's supposed to be. This is their normal.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That, Which I mean, I that's love. amazing. Yeah, that That's do. amazing. So why should a court tell you how you're supposed to parent or tell you that what you're doing is wrong? It's certainly not wrong. I mean, I, any judge would be blown away by what you're doing and use you as an example because really every judge in family court all they want are the parents to figure it out on their own and to to put their children above anything else that's the goal and they're stuck making decisions that they don't want to make these judges do not want to make you know decide who's staying with who and when
0: i think the last judge we had because we had three or four different ones three and the last one we had he said why am i up here telling two grown people how to parent. You should have this all figured out. And things Mm -hmm. like, it should be common knowledge separating holidays. You're the mother, you've got Mother's Day. You're the father, you have Father's Day. Why Mm -hmm. are we even talking about this? And it just, you know, that day something did click and I'm like, he's so right. Why is this stranger up here telling us what
2: to do with children Yeah, that he
0: doesn't even know. Yeah. And,
2: you know, and it's give and take too, because it's like, oh, we need to switch a weekend or we can go away and want to extend our vacation. Sure. It's not about you. It's about your kids. So like, yes. if and you I- give a little bit, then you will get the same in return when you need that favor. And it's so
1: nice having that flexibility. Mm-hmm. It yes. really is. It puts you way less stressful. I don't have to plan my holidays or my trips or anything around my quote unquote custody schedule. Yeah. I just plan my life and assume the boys are going to be involved in one way or another. Mm -hmm. And we just arrange it or we do it together. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, You know, if we
0: ever wanted to take a trip because I have children from my previous marriages and they have the three children, one of my sons plays soccer and We're gone all the time, but we would have to stress about, okay, who's going to miss the soccer game? Who's going to come back early because we can't be late for a pickup and we can't be late for a drop off. And those things, I'm just so glad that those days are gone
1: for us. I mean, and now I just Mm -hmm. have to look forward to family vacations with you and everyone.
2: They got planned behind my back. (laughs) It's fine. (laughs) <laughs> that that's amazing. I mean, this like this is incredible. <laughs> you guys need to be on like the today show sharing your yeah. <laughs> I mean, are you are you writing a book? Because you should be.
1: I would love that's my dream. Yes. She's not sure yet. Um she would love to do the the T V thing. I want to write <laughs> the book, but together we're gonna do them both. Yeah. Yes. eventually. Um because yeah, it it's is incredible. Kind of, it is. It is. Our kids, yeah. we all live in the same neighborhood. We all live right here. It's not, it's, it's nuts to hear it out loud, but I, I love it. I it's
2: do. As, it's just but, but think about the gift that you've given them yes. because they are not, they don't have to choose. They don't have to feel bad about loving one parent or the other. And they, they are being loved by so many people. And why is that such a bad thing?
1: I had, I was around um, my kids' friends the other day and their parents are divorced. And and one of them said, made a comment and said, you know, I hope my dad moves into the same neighborhood as my mom because I want to walk back and forth to their homes. And that's when I realized that we're impacting not just other adults and co-parents, but kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They think that this is pretty cool. I don't know if our kids do yet. They oh, still, I think they do. They hate the eight house walk. Oh, I know. It's just so far. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so I mean, far. that's super useful when they forget something. Oh, so easy. yes,
0: <laughs> Yes. It is. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. We just love it. All right. Well, Renee, we thank you so much for joining us today, sharing your expertise for our listeners. That was amazing. It's such a pleasure having you. So if our listeners want to read your blog, listen to your podcast or interested in the D course, how can they find out more information about you?
2: Sure. Um, My Instagram is at Ms. Renee Bauer and my website is www.mizreneebauer.com.
0: Perfect. Thank you so much. This is fun. Thank you you for having me. (laughs) Lauren and I started last week doing our world's okayest mom segment. And this week's post we found that made us feel just a tiny bit better about being just an okay mom slash stepmom. Before I tell you that, first just want to say we're in no way judging. I feel like I always need to preface these. And one day I just won't because people are just going to know we're not trying to judge. We're just weird yeah. and we like to find a humor in and pretty much any and everything that comes our way so it's funny to hear the issues that others are having in relation to the things that we either went through or are currently dealing with so here's the segment for this week we have a bio mom who is mad because her daughter's stepmom is loud and obnoxious oh my <laughs> so
1: i can't imagine one you
0: of those can you? <laughs> particularly here's the kicker while being a spectator at sporting events the bio mom is perturbed because stepmom is yelling things like, That's my girl. Bio mom goes on to say that other parents ask why the stepmom is so loud. And the bio mom says, You should go and ask my ex husband, who's now the stepmom's husband, because I don't talk to that loud mouth. Bio mom feels that stepmom does this just to get under her skin because she is a narcissist and an attention seeker.
1: Ooh. So, Lo, um, oh. what is your take on this? <laughs> I will tell you my take. I have. I have two takes on this. Okay. And I love it. Be easy on me. I will be easy on you. I think you're going to find my answer actually pretty surprising. Okay. So when my son, our oldest, was actually in soccer once upon a time, you used to come to the soccer games. I used to hate it. <coughs> and I always sat on the opposite end and I would stare at you. And I, sa- I always thought to myself, if this woman gets up and starts clapping for my son, <laughs> I'm going to get kicked off of this ah. soccer field and you never did you <gasps> always just sat there and i was like oh she's too bougie to even cheer <laughs> so like i quickly judged well then later on because i didn't really know you and i knew tanner your uh son was in soccer but i had never seen you at oh. a soccer oh, event yes so later on when we became friends april and i i went to one of tanner's soccer games and i was like sorry i oh. witnessed that so you're telling me you do scream. Well, thank God you didn't mind my son's because I would have cut you. Well, but like you are a – I'm a allowed... Like I'm bit. the mom that's. has But gotten... why didn't you at Jackson's? I think because I wanted to be respectful.
0: Well, kudos to you. And I All knew right. that that's, you know, probably was a touchy thing, me even being there because we just didn't have the greatest relationship. I mean, now that we are, we go to the boys' – Baseball oh, yeah. And soccer. oh yeah, and I'll scream. Oh yeah, but I'm the mom that gets kicked off the soccer field. Oh, she is, and she, I'm not kidding. I'm the mom that threatens to cut the ref or the other teammates if they hurt. So my now kid. me <laughs> judging you for sitting there all bougie, like I'm <gasps> thinking she was just holding no. Herself I was back. holding myself back because I didn't want to go to jail. It was just <laughs> little like because I have seen her. <laughs> oh, no. I'm crazy. She, I'm. You are crazy. Yeah, I'm cr- when it comes to my kids, I say I have a. There's just something wrong with me. Like I'm not wired right because I'm not just a mama bear. I'm like a psycho mama llama shark. Yes, that kicks and yes. bites and does all the horrible all the things. things.
1: I am not necessarily a loud parent i i cheer but mine more is like when jackson's you know being a t-rex in the oh yeah in the goal i'm like yes you do you be a t-rex you i'm more of a supportive that. mom um no i'm so, like we came here to win yeah, we don't race April, losers <laughs> if you've watched her on whiskey wednesdays ladies and gentlemen like she win. is competitive and if she loses we all feel it the I, next hope day. That I don't I'm not doing any
0: harm to my kids as far as like you know making them competitive jerks I don't think so because I make sure that they know that winning isn't the most important you gotta go out there and have fun Mm -hmm. and here's the thing I don't just pick on my own kid like oh nobody's everybody's doing something to him and he didn't do anything wrong no I'll tell my kid when he's being a turd on the soccer field oh yeah I will go right over there and say hey coach pull my kid because he's a jerk oh yes I mean yes you will so yeah I think I'm an equal Mm -hmm.
1: opportunity you really are you're all soccer mom yeah (laughs) yeah Funny though, but I never would have thought to, like, approach John about it. And I've always said that. Like, if there was ever an issue between you and I, it was her and I that were dealing with oh, it. Oh, yeah. I would never go through anybody else. I'm um, just going to go right no. to the source. Hey, yeah, I don't like it that you're yelling at my kid, and she's not
0: your girl. We
1: don't let our ex-husbands or our current husbands fight our battles for no. us. We, we, we just ourselves. fight them ourselves.
0: Here's what I would say, though, to this bio mom that's mad.
1: How about thank you,
0: stepmom, for coming and supporting my kid? That is, yes. I mean... I would be thankful you come and support my kids and you mm-hmm. don't have to, mm-hmm. but you've been at my kids games. You've been at my kids' special events. I appreciate that. The more people that are there cheering for my kid and loving them,
1: the better it is for I me. I can tell you right now, all of our kids will always have the biggest cheering section. Yeah. We have a giant family. And at
0: the end of the day, is it really hurting you that that mom's no. screaming like a wild banshee? Maybe she's excited.
1: Maybe that's just her Maybe saying. she
0: was a... A sports player when she was little and nobody was there cheering for her. I mean,
1: you that's, know, you just, you just that's to true. think about all these That's things. a really
0: good point. So not, not bashing on the bio, mom, because you have a right to feel the way that you do. I'm going to tell you from people that have been in that place. You and I have mm-hmm. been at that exact place. Now you look back on it, and how ridiculous was it that we acted so that ridiculous?
1: Way? And you know, we've been—I've been to soccer games where you see other parents cheering for your child. So how is that any different oh, than yeah. a stepmom doing? That's it? right. That's what I was. Gonna I say. used to tear up whenever I'd hear another dad or somebody, oh Jackson, you know, yell, and I'm like, yeah, oh my god, that's my kid. Yeah, Thank you for cheering for him. for him. My son happens to be a very, very, very good, good soccer player, and
0: all the parents will go up to him and high five him and they'll cheer for him or they'll tell him hey you're Tanner you need to pick it up or do, you know I'm fine with that yeah don't disrespect my kid because then I will cut right. you but if you want to cheer for my kid come, Absolutely. everybody come out and cheer for my kid cheer I don't care cheer, cheer for our kids there you that, go
1: that's what you need to do we're going to cheer for each other
0: you should cheer for your kids like you cheer for each other
1: Ooh, team us I told we team us here team we us. go team us <laughs> that's
0: all the time we have for tonight thanks so much for listening and hanging out with us If you'd like to find out more about us, visit our website at
1: www.wifestales.com. And don't forget to hit the subscribe button so you're the first to know about all our upcoming events. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Be sure to tune in every Sunday for new episodes. We would love for you to subscribe and review our podcast.
0: Always remember, with prayer, anything is possible.